The Ponder Podcast exists to encourage the soul-nourishing practice of pondering the Bible with friends. Hey, I'm your host, Laura Hardin, eager to continue in our Flooded by Grace series to accomplish two things. I want us to relish God's Word and I want us to enjoy the simplicity of doing it with friends. As you listen to this season, take it in for yourself, but also pay attention to what it looks like to spend time in God's Word with someone else. Today, we have my friend Hunter Bayless joining us to ponder Ephesians 2, 1-10. through Hunter is the founder and executive director of the Journey Women podcast. She believes God has called her to seek after those whom he has awakened to guide them back to the Heavenly Father. She exercises this God-given design through her roles as a wife, mama, and podcast host. Though they stumble often, she and her husband, Brooks, strive to display God's covenant-keeping love through their marriage and oneness. They have three children and love journeying through this life together for the glory of God. Let's dig into the word. Welcome to the Ponder Podcast. Hunter, I'm so happy you could join us today. Thank you so much. I just want to jump through the screen and give you a big hug. (laughs) Um, We have a lot of listeners who are excited to hear from you today. Um, You are the host of the Journey Women Podcast. That's how we first met. Um, That was like, I think, two years ago. A long time ago, yeah. yeah. So what are you up to these days? What's going on? Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. You are have become one of my dearest friends through the process of getting to know you uh, and having you on my podcast. So I just consider it an honor that you would want me to sit with you and talk about God's word today. And that's one of my favorite things. I mean, I feel like just getting in the word and knowing God more mm-hmm. drives my whole day. And mm-hmm. I have the blessing of getting to do that alongside my kiddos. And so we're just trying to figure out how can we know God more and enjoy him and delight in him as we go about our day. I have three kids, Hadley, who's five and a half, Davey, who will be four in a couple of weeks, and Bo, who's 15 months. And so I spend the majority of my time hanging out with those guys. And my husband, Brooks, is a student right now. We did eight years of military service, and he is currently studying business at Dartmouth. So we're up here in Hanover, New Hampshire, and we really enjoy doing all the outdoor things because this is a really beautiful place to live. So in the fringe hours, I host Journey Women, and that's pretty much it. Cool. And I know... um... You guys recently launched a Bible study guide. You put a Bible yeah. study guide out that I'm actually using right now with a friend. We're studying Ruth. I love that. So just anyone listening, um, the Ponder Method is useful for a certain type of engagement in the world. Yeah. But I really love the way that the Journey Women Guide to Inductive Study takes you deep but doesn't feel complicated. That's um, good. That's what we hoped. But I love this Ponder Method, Laura. I was just thinking about a friend that I have here who actually asked me uh, to help her learn to study the word. And this is so perfect. So thank you for putting it together. For me, I had such a great time getting to look at it and go through it myself. 
Praise God. Yeah, I, I see it kind of like a primer to somebody just getting started. Well, let's jump right in. We're going to be looking at Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. And Hunter, if you wouldn't mind just reading that for us, and then I'll pray for our time. Okay. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Father, thank you so much for your word, for this time to fellowship over your word. Thank you for making us alive without being alive in you. We wouldn't even be able to understand it or appreciate it or love it or love you. God, I pray you would use this time to deepen our love for you and our love for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. So, Hunter, what jumped out at you as you were looking at the text? Where did you camp out? (laughs) So many things jumped out. But, of course, uh, I think the stark contrast between verses 3 and 4 was what initially kind of, I don't know, smacked me in the face as I was reading this, where it says, But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you've been saved. Hmm. Yeah, even as you read that, it just struck a chord with me, especially like because of his great love, just his heart behind what he did there. So, yeah, why did that stand out to you? Yeah, talk to us about it. Yeah, um, I think it's really because you look at verses one through three and you see this stark contrast, right? Like verses one through three, he is laying out really clearly who we are apart from Christ. So he's saying you're dead in your trespasses and sins, following the course of the world, the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work and the sons of disobedience, like all these things that are just like so uh, dark. And it's contrasted with this, but God, like those two words are just such an interruption of mercy. I think that was the initial thing that just caused it to really stand out. It's almost like when somebody, you know, shows you, I don't know, like I didn't go shopping for my engagement ring with Brooks. Did you go shopping for your engagement ring, Adam? I know a lot of people do that, but they did when we went to look for like the band they held the band and the diamonds in the band up against like this dark cloth. And I think uh, just the darkness of our sin contrasted with the, the bright vibrancy, almost like a, an engagement diamond of sorts set up against that darkness. It just makes it pop. Mm. That's, what I, that's what I experienced when I read it anyways. Yeah, that's great. I um, actually verse three stood out to me too. And this part never stood out to me this way before, like where it says, we, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, 
yeah. carrying out the desires of the body and of the mind. And we were by nature children of wrath. I think that stood out to me because I'm thinking a lot about desire and wants, especially in like discipling my children. Like it's so mm-hmm. big. And like I'm like this way too, but I see it, you know, my kids. Yeah. Like everything's yeah. about what they want. And that's the reason behind their conflict, the reason behind their disobedience. It's these very strong desires that they don't know how to manage, you know? <laughs> yeah, totally. But then if I'm honest, when I sin, it's the same thing. And we see that in James. Um, we're enticed by our our own desires and so just seeing that before we were made alive we just that's how we live just enslaved to our sinful desires but recently i've been meditating a lot on the shema deuteronomy 6 4 and like jesus kind of restating that is the essence of the whole law the greatest commandment to love the lord our god with all our heart soul mind strength and that was so integral to the Jewish faith, like the Shema, like say it in the morning, say it at night, like this is who we are. But only in Christ can we actually live that out. And so I was just seeing here like the that same contrast, but mm-hmm. in with that Shema in the background, the backdrop, like yeah, before yeah. being made alive, we didn't love God with our minds, with our bodies. Yeah, we were enslaved. In the opposite direction, we love the world, we loved ourselves, totally. we loved our idols. But then God makes us alive and actually, and I love that it says because of his great love. So before we could even love him because of his yeah. great love, he makes us alive and he gives us, you know, new hearts, yeah. desires. And I just, I just love that picture and even thinking through how to think about that myself when I see that war in me the desire to do bad and the desire to honor God. And mm-hmm. then when I'm trying to teach my kids how to think about their strong desires that are sometimes in opposition to, to God <laughs> you know? and obeying their parents or whatnot, um, it's just been really helpful to see that. That contrast. Yes, yeah. absolutely. And I, I love what you mentioned, how often we're quick to see that in others, but you look at the personal nature of verses one through three and you're like, okay, Paul isn't saying like, you know, we were dead in trespasses and sins. He's saying, you yeah. were dead in the trust mm-hmm. in which you once walked. And I think uh, even the use of pronouns in this passage is really interesting because you see this uh, very personal uh, address by Paul where he's saying, hey, you were dead. And then transition to saying among whom we all once lived. And then you see, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us. The pronoun is uh, now no longer a personal pronoun. It's collective. Uh, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with mm-hmm. Christ. And then by grace, you have been saved. So I love looking at the differences in the pronouns. And I think Paul's using those intentionally because we're not just saved. It's, it's not about us. And if you go back and you zoom out in this book, you see um, in chapter one, really his plan uh, from before the beginning of time to glorify himself through the church. And so we're not just saved in and of ourselves, we're saved into the family of God. And so it's in us, it's this collective thing. And yet our salvation is also very personal. And you see him transition from saying, you know, he made us alive together with Christ. It's by grace 
you have been saved. Uh, and so I love meditating on this and thinking about the depths from which I've been saved. Like you said, meditating on my own uh, trespasses and sins, and then that interruption of mercy that's driven by God's love, how he made me alive together with Christ, saved me into his family, and how it's by grace that he has done all of that. It's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> And I think like just seeing that he can be so personal, like you were dead, because he's also going to say we were dead, like yeah. I yeah. was dead too. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know, we were all stuck in this bad, um, this bad news. And it definitely stood out to me too that we were made alive together and how I'm kind of skipping a little bit to practice, but how important it is to see each other that way. That yeah together we're made alive even if we still see the yucky sin stuff like right this is who we are and this is how we can encourage each other so on that note as you're processing this and earlier before we got on here you said you're even memorizing this Mm -hmm. how is this ministering to your soul like in your your very real life right now Mm, that's such a great question You know, I think the phrase, by grace, you have been saved, (laughs) that's something that I want to linger long on. Spurgeon actually calls that little phrase like the key to true divinity. And he says, if we study it well, then we're going to avoid a thousand doctrinal errors. I often see myself in the way in which God's wired me just trying to contribute to my salvation in some capacity. And that happens every day. That happens in the context of my family life, trying to be the very best mom that I could be and do all the things and do it correctly and say everything in response to all of my kids, like groaning and moaning that will just point them to Jesus and to do it all just so perfectly. And and I fall short every single day. And so just recalling that I have been saved by grace and that my right standing before God is attributed to me because of Christ and that I didn't do anything to contribute to being made alive in him, Mm -hmm. uh, that God awakened me because of his love and mercy. And then to meditate and linger long on that and to be able to move toward my children with the same love and mercy that was extended to me through the person of Christ and that all of that is grace, like that just, it changes the way that I think about myself before God. And it changes the way that I think about uh, the people who he has entrusted to me that are in my care. Mm -hmm. So that's how it impacts me on a daily basis. And I'm consistently having to remind myself, particularly when I'm falling short, like, okay, you have fallen short of the glory of God, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. Mm -hmm. And so it's cause for great exaltation and rejoicing um, instead of, yes, I do feel like a sense of disappointment and I feel like a right sense of sadness when when I fall short and fail to act in light of who I am in Christ. And yet it's the opportunity to rest and bask again in God's abundant grace. I love that. Um, I think I'm going to do that too. Just rest in that truth that by grace I've been saved. 
I've been thinking about even the beginning of the book where it says grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And just like when I'm stretching or whatever, I'll just like say that to myself. My pastor recently taught a message on Colossians on the intro where he says the same thing. And he's like, just this is what God says to you first. Grace and peace. Like his message to you today is wrapped in grace and uh-huh, peace. So uh-huh. this is what Paul emphasizes before he gets to all of the imperatives, just grace and peace. And I was like, I need to start there because I want to start with accusations. I'm like, this is what you're getting wrong. This is what you're getting wrong, you know? And that's not the Lord. Like uh-huh. his first <laughs> message is grace. And in Ephesians, it's just like incredible because he just elaborates so much on what that grace looks like. And a friend, I can get bogged down. Say I'm trying to grow in, partic- in a particular area. Like, I'm really bad at, like, anything related to tending to the home. Like, I'm really bad at it. <laughs> and I want to grow in serving my family better in this area. And so I have a friend from church who we're starting to talk weekly on just, like, how it's going. Just, yeah. you know. And one thing she said, I think she actually said it maybe even in prayer, was... For me to rest in this grace we're talking about and to see any obedience in this area as worship, to not make this like, this is my salvation, whether or not I do well at cleaning today or when I do well, to not be like, oh, I've arrived, you know, but to realize anything that comes from this, any good is just, it's worship. And I think the problem can come when I'm, make obedience how I'm saved or I just think about it as like this striving that I have to do to prove that I'm saved it's like no this is God made me alive so I can actually worship him and this is this is my worship and I found that statement it sounds so simple it's kind of embarrassing but it was just very freeing to me like oh this is worship don't make it anything more than that yeah I, I found that really helpful I love that so much. You know, but God, that little phrase, it kind of has a similar effect for me when I'm stuck in kind of the muck of my own sin. Like if if I'm stuck, if you will, in this passage, like in, in verses one through three and just meditating on those things, then just remembering, but God, but God, but for the grace of God, I would still be there. Mm-hmm. And so I think that actually those feelings that we often experience in regard to shame and things like that, they can often drive us to the cross to just rejoice in what Christ has done for us more fully. And so I'm learning slowly to see those moments as opportunities, like we talked about, just again, to rest in God's grace. Mm -hmm. There's a song, I always mention this to anybody when we're talking about this subject. There's a song by Shane and Shane called Embracing Accusations. Yeah, It's a great picture of that because they're feeling bogged down by this sin and feeling like they're being accused by Satan of like you're this you're that and the whole point of it is like actually you're right but God (laughs) you know but God you know he has saved me and it's not based on my works I think it's really easy to feel like the verses one through three like like we're still dead when it's an area that we're just not seeing growth in yeah man it's been I've been walking with the Lord this long And I still see these things. And we can deal with that in a number of ways. So you describe running to the cross. Like, that's what we should do. I know for me, and now I'm definitely moving into practicing the scripture, but 
I know for me, I can sometimes choose uh, some type of maybe eating or Netflix. I want to like escape the feeling of shame, but I don't want to escape by running to the cross. I want to run to something else as like another form of salvation. Like if I could just do what I want to do, if I could just make myself happy, then I don't have to think about Mm. this sin anymore. With the ponder method, when we're struggling to think about how do I practice this word? How do I respond to the Lord as I'm reading this? I use this acronym SPEC that my mentor taught me. It's sin to confess, promise to claim. Is there an example to follow, a command to obey, or knowledge of God to just meditate on and praise him for? Mm-hmm. And for me, I did sense just like a sin, especially right now, just with everything we're going through in these strange times, coronavirus, mm-hmm. all that. It's just prioritizing my wants over everything because if I can just have my way (laughs) if I can just make things go smoothly that's going to help me get through these times versus like resting in the grace of God and resting in the fact that he has a purpose right now it's okay I just need to figure out how I can go on vacation what I can watch next what I can you know and it reminds me of verse three where it was saying We used to just live to carry out the desires of our minds and our bodies, not to carry out the will of God. And he has a will for me in Christ right now. I think of verse 10, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared for us to walk in, even right now. But I'm convicted of being more concerned about my will. my uh my preferences my agendas so as i was preparing for today i was just confessing that to the lord and asking him to help me live in light of my salvation and in light of who he is and Uh to trust him that there is good work for me to do right now in him so i would love to hear just as you you probably already touched on some of it actually but like as you moved into this section of the ponder method, how God was leading you to respond to this lavish grace that <laughs> that he's poured out on us. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting to hear you talk about uh, when you are not resting in grace and what you respond, how you respond to that personally. I do something interesting. It's different. Instead of like seeking to nurture myself, I almost like discipline myself more. And so I will start trying to work harder and I'll try to fix things. Um, I'll try wherever it is. I feel like I feel short. If it's in parenting, I'm going to pick up three books. I'm going to start reading all the things. I'm going to educate myself. And I began to just drive, 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 trying to achieve some sense of uh, control and trying to, uh, you know, I don't know, come up on top in and of myself. And so I love actually the the next verse, which by the way, this passage is one long sentence in the original language. And so um, I had a really hard time selecting one little portion. So I'm just going to tack a little, a little uh, bit on here, but uh, verse six, after it talks about by grace, you've been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And so for me, instead of like, I have like a mental picture of myself, just like striving, reading all the books, researching all the things on the internet, and instead just remembering um, that I am seated with Christ in the heavenly places and that scripture tells us that he will accomplish his purpose and he has accomplished it all in Christ. And so the work is, 
is finished, you know? And so remembering the finished work of Christ and resting in that, it's, it's kind of up in the clouds. And I wish I'd thought a little bit more deeply about how to bring that down to earth. But sometimes that looks like when I'm struggling with like a behavioral issue with, with my child, instead of like reaching for all the books, which are good and helpful uh, in a lot of instances. But for me, sometimes it just looks like sitting down on the floor with my kiddo and embracing her in a hug. Um, and even if she doesn't want to pray out loud with me, which that's happened uh, before, <laughs> just praying and crying out to the Lord and asking him for his help. And then just resting again in the reality of what he is doing and trusting him in that moment, as opposed to like trusting myself and, and what I can do in and of my own strength. Mm. I love what you said. Um, you put things so well that when I'm struggling and feeling stuck, I have a tendency to want to nurture myself. And that's because I'm not trusting that God is nurturing me. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm going to go yeah. take care of myself. I also struggle to believe that I can. I actually want to be like you. I want to be that person who can just get it done. Um, but then I probably would have the same struggle as you. <laughs> um, yep. yep. So just to even realize. Maybe that's why we're such good friends. Because <laughs> Remind each other, like, hey, it's like that country song, like, I stop walking your way, you mm-hmm. stop walking mine. We're just walking to the foot of the cross. <laughs> yes, I love that. I love that. So you said that you didn't really think a lot about how to bring it down. And I love that example of just prayer, of just seeking God. We're going to see that at the end yeah. of, the, yes. of the book, of the emphasis on prayer. Um, So that's a huge piece. But you also mentioned something earlier that I think is something I've been convicted of even while reading through Ephesians and having these conversations. There's a theme emerging of scripture memory. So I would love if you could just speak to how you've seen scripture memory help you rest in God's grace. Mm -hmm. I'm just so prone to forgetfulness, Laura, and I want to know the gospel and I want to live that out. Uh, and yet I just often falter, uh, to the right or to the left. Like I have a hard time, like staying the course and just living in light of what God has done for us through the person of Christ. So for me personally, I am trying to commit to memory, just like gospel saturated passages, which actually are harder to memorize in my, from my experience. Um, it's easier for me to memorize some of the portions in Ephesians 4, which are equally good and equally helpful. Um, but I found that I have prioritized some of the more practical instruction in the word because it's just there easy to access, you know, like be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another in Christ Jesus as God has forgiven you. I, I think I've t- slightly messed that up, but um, in these gospel saturated passages, like the more I meditate on them and memorize them, I'm finding that I am able to access the truth of the gospel in my everyday life in the way that I, uh, that I desperately need so that I can then move toward that practical application from the position that I have in Christ. And that's, I'm like the person who will be quick to memorize the passage on the fruit of the spirit, for example, and detach that from the reality that those things are like attributed to us because of Christ. So it's really important for me to hang out in these passages like this one or like uh, Romans 5, 8, or like the passage in Titus 3, 
uh, Romans 11, 5 and 6, um, even like this verse here in this passage, for by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It's the gift of God, not a result of work so that no one may boast. Those are the things that when I notice myself acting out of line with who I am in Christ, then I get to counsel my heart. And let me tell you, when I notice that, I usually don't have a Bible nearby. It's usually uh, like when I'm driving down the road and all my kids are whining and I freak out and say like, quiet. And then I'm feeling a lot of shame because I've spoken out of anger and then I'm going down that shame spiral and I'm beating myself up and maybe I'm looking for a parenting podcast on, on anger. Uh, and it's that moment when I need to remember like, okay, yes, like there are things that we can do practically to help, you know, educate about these particular situations and to maybe help us act more kindly toward one another. But ultimately, I have got to remember where I am positionally in Christ so that I am moving out of that place. And actually, I find that when I remember that, I am much more prone to act in light of who I am in him. Uh, And so it almost like circumvents some of these other um, kind of, kind of, tips and tricks that I try uh, mm-hmm. and that I invest so much time in. So I've just found it to be beneficial to really counsel myself with God's word, particularly in these passages um, that remind me what he has done for us in his son. Mm. Hunter, this has been so good. And I don't know if you know, you probably don't, that we're doing Ephesians. You inspired that because you were reading Ephesians, I think back in May. And <laughs> it's my favorite book, Laura, because it's the first book I ever studied verse by verse. And it was also the first time that I was introduced to the idea that God had a plan before the beginning of time. And so it, uh, it really disrupted me. I didn't sleep for like three days. The first time I really read Ephesians, I think it was actually two days, but I'm not lying. Like I was very disrupted by it. Mm. And it has, it just had such a special place in my heart because as you study it more and more, um, it just has so much vibrancy and Mm. I genuinely love this letter. So I'm so excited for your listeners to get to dig into it with you. Mm. Well, praise God. Praise God for that disruption. We're all being blessed by the fruit of that. Um, Hunter, would you mind just closing us out in prayer that we Mm. would rest in God's grace and live these verses? I would love to. Thank you so much. God, we come before you uh, humble. We come before you acknowledging you as God, knowing that we are not, knowing that you are God and there is none like you, that you declared the end from the beginning uh, and that you will accomplish your purpose. And Father, we thank you. Uh, for who you are. We thank you for your love and for your mercy. We thank you um, for making our dead hearts alive because of the great love with which you loved us. Uh, We are so, uh, we are so humbled and so deeply grateful. And I pray that you will fill our hearts with joy and that that will spill over into the lives of those around us. Uh, We pray that you will help us by your grace to rest in your grace today. We thank you for it and pray these things in your son's name who extends it to us. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Hunter. 
What a rich conversation. So rich, I couldn't contain it all here. The Ponder Collective has the full conversation over on Patreon, which includes a segment on memorizing the word with our kids. One of the things Paul prayed for the Ephesians is that they would know the hope that they have in Christ. And I think that's what we dwelled on today, how this letter helps us to do that and how memorizing these verses can help us to do that. So I want to ask you, where do you go when you're burdened by your sin? What gospel passage can you turn to in those moments? I want to give a special thanks to my husband, Adam Harden. He composed and produced the music for this podcast and has done so much to make my amateur podcasting suitable for your ears. Babe, this podcast is better because of you. Thank you. As always, if you like this episode, share it with a friend, write a review, or help us create more by joining the Ponder Collective. Till next time, have a blessed week. How sweet the name of Jesus sounds in the believer's ear.